Well, welcome back to Work Minus, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work today and quick pivots you can make to get closer to a better future of work. Today, our guest is Nora Jenkins Townsend, founder at Bright and Early, and this episode is Work Minus Parental Bias. Hi, Nora. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing excellent. I'm very excited about this topic, and I want you to start just telling us a little bit about yourself and what your company is. Sure. Um, So I'm Nora. I've been working in uh, the tech and creative HR space for about 10 years. And when I say creative, I mean, I've never worked in uh, a bank or a corporate setting. I've only worked in, um, you know, design or tech or startup focused areas. Uh, And about a year ago, I founded Bright and Early. So Bright and Early is a consulting firm and we're focused essentially on the same topic of this podcast, which is building the future of work. So we mostly work with tech startups who don't have any HR yet, uh, but they share our view that putting people first is actually the best and fastest way to business success. So we build things like really good onboarding programs, policies that don't suck, uh, <laughs> inclusive recruiting strategies, and and uh, things of that nature. So we take a lot of inspiration from service and product design um, and build everything custom for each each company. Wow. And it's an exciting time to be in this industry, to be able to help to build things, because not only is the tech industry growing and and new, but also uh, HR policies, the idea of how to best connect with people is also growing, too. So that's a new thing, which leads us to the topic of our discussion, which is parental bias, which is a, a very interesting topic to come about. You just released something called the Parenting Playbook which is geared toward founders and executives of tech companies like you talked about. We're talking about a workforce between 22 to 36. And, you know, there was a time when you could almost expect that some of these people would be parents, but a lot of demographics have changed since then. Can you talk about how those things have changed and are parents at tech companies a minority now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just quickly, the the Parenting Playbook, it's a collaboration between Bright and Early and then two uh, amazing women in the tech industry, Anna McKenzie and Amanda Monday. Um, so it's a project that helps um, founders or early stage of early stage companies, um, you know, understand, uh, you know, the uh, the needs of parents and design unique perks, um, some of them low to no cost at all, um, to accommodate them uh, and that demographic. So uh, to answer your question, so it's true that the typical age range at a startup is still, you know, folks in their 20s and 30s. Um, of course, there's always outliers. Um, and it is also true that millennials like myself, I'm 32, uh, kind of mid-range millennial. Um, so we've delayed having kids. Um you know, it's arguable whether that's for social or economic reasons, but, you know, now millennials are actually in their late 20s up to the mid to late 30s. Um, so, you know, even though we're waiting longer, it's still kind of the prime baby years. Um, so while I'm finding that parents are still a minority at most startups and tech companies, it's really quickly beginning to change. So um, in tech, the biggest issue right now is the the fight for talent. So recruiting is huge. So it's not... If, if it's not the top priority, it's absolutely one of them because they can't achieve what they want to if they don't have the people and there's so much competition over these people. So um, when the trend starts to shift in the direction of, you know, these employees that they're targeting aging into this demographic, um, focusing on, you know, attracting and retaining parents, it's not just kind of like a warm and fuzzy nice thing to do. There's a massive business case. And if you can get ahead of the curve on winning this market, um, you're going to win the talent war and, you know, you're going to get the the best work and the best products out there the fastest. So have tech companies by and large just kind of avoided parents up to this point or what's been your take? 
Yes, um, I would say definitely so. Um, so the original, um, you know, the first iteration of of the playbook was called the Expecting Playbook. I didn't work on that one, um, and but it was focused on how startups can build um, parental leave policies because a lot of them just had none. They'd never consider it. Um, a, a lot of these founders, like the stereotypical founder of a startup is, you know, a male in his 20s or early 30s, um, you know, who normally does not have a family yet. Of course, there's always, you know, other exceptions. But, you know, that that's kind of what you what you think of, like the early days Zuckerberg, who actually now is a parent. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's just something that doesn't cross their mind. Um, so, you know, the reason that we wrote the these playbooks um, is to give them that information to say like, oh, wow, um, you know, it actually takes months of waiting lists and a ton of money to get, you know, a, a kid into childcare. I just never considered it. So what are some of the ways that parents face bias in the workplace? Aside from once they get in, what are some ways that they face that bias? Yeah, so we don't see a lot of, you know, flat out parent hate. Uh, <laughs> it's more an unconscious bias thing. So things you don't realize that are a big deal until you are a parent or you're around parents. So, um, so again, some of the things they don't realize are the high cost of childcare, um, the low availability of childcare in a lot of major cities. Uh, and how difficult it can be to integrate yourself back into work after taking time off. So, you know, when doing research for the project, we talked to people who were being, you know, mentored by the CEO and on a track and, you know, promised a, a promotion. And they came back and, you know, they their department had been reorganized and there wasn't really, they had to kind of squeeze them into a new role. They had a new boss who didn't know them at all. And, you know, it set them back in their career. Um, there's also a lot of well-meaning bias um, so people are, that's where people are trying to be helpful, but they end up disempowering parents. So employers or managers, they might assume that parents don't want to be given, you know, tough projects uh, or be sent on traveling assignments uh, when really you should be consulting people and uh, not taking those opportunities away. So let them decide or help accommodate them traveling or working flexibly on these projects. Yeah, which kind of relates to another question I have about is it okay? Is it fair to to ask non-parents to work late, but not ask for parents or to, to ask parents to travel? What, what are some of the lines and the blurry edges that are that surround those issues? Yeah, so I actually think everyone should be given, um, you know, an equal amount of work. It's about giving them the flexibility to do that well. Um, so let's break it down a little bit. So, you know, do I think parents should be doing less work than their childless counterparts just because they're parents? Absolutely not. Um, do I think parents should be accommodated flexibly to get that done? Yes. So, you know, if I'm a parent and I need to come in at 7 a.m. instead of 9 and leave at 4 um, to pick up my kids, so that should be fine as long as I'm getting my stuff done. Uh, I also see a lot of parents who leave early and log back in after their baby's bedtime. Um, on the other hand, I also have kind of a strong personal bias against the whole startup mentality of working till you're burnt out. So if no one um, can get their work done, you know, at a company without working super late every day. So your company either needs to prioritize better or hire more people. So um, I think that, you know, there should be the same expectations from everyone. But if you say, you know, everyone must be in from these exact hours and you can't support any flexibility, then it's going to be tougher for parents to, to get things done. But don't expect less of them. In fact, I would sometimes expect a lot more. Uh, a lot of parents have told me that they become ruthless prioritizers um, after becoming parents. So it can be actually, you know, very sharpening for a lot of people. Now we're using this term parent, which obviously means someone is taking care of a child, but it has a lot of 
different meanings behind it too and different people behind it. So you have parents, both men and women, you have multiple types of, of families that are out there. You have parents of very young children. You have parents of, of older children. What are some of the ways that you've seen uh, the, that kind of diversity just in parenting play out? Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely something that um, we want founders and you know anyone using this handbook to be uh, conscious of as well. So we actually do have a section uh, about that as well. And it's just about not assuming. So, um, you know, not assuming that, you know, because someone's dad, they're not, you know, a primary caregiver. So we spoke to, um, you know, a dad whose uh, partner is often traveling and, you know, away from uh, away from the house for three or four days a week. So he does, you know, all the daycare drop-offs and, and pickups and, and things like that. So, you know, it can be um, really limiting to assume that, you know, in a, uh, a partnership of, you know, a, a man and a woman that, you know, if you're employing the man that, you know, he has someone at home to, you know, always take care of things. If you ask him to to work late, um, you know, it's very dated. And, you know, we also have to think about, um, you know, LGBTQ parents as well. Um, we talked, we made sure that we talked to a number of, of those to get their perspectives as well. So, um, things like not assuming, um, you know, who was the, the childbearing parent and not asking about that, just asking them what accommodations, uh, they need, uh, to get their work done as a parent. It doesn't matter what their, their gender is or what their background is. Um, you should just have those conversations and work with everyone individually and not assume. Yeah, one part of the playbook I really liked was when you talked about explaining the policies and you made a point that, you know, you don't ask somebody, do you wear glasses before you tell about the vision policy? You just kind of say this is part of it. And you can do the same thing with the parent policy, right? Exactly. And, you know, one of the key points that we try to make as well is make sure everything is written down and accessible. Um, so often when people are interviewing with your company, um, you know, they don't feel comfortable enough to say because of, the, you know, the power dynamics of interviews, that they need a ton of flexibility or that they plan on having a, a child soon or, or anything like that. So I think it be, can be a huge advantage and be great branding for your company. So if you have these, you know, flexi flexibilities or, you know, parent-related benefits or parental leave top-ups, um, then you can uh, put those right on your career site. Um, you can make a PDF sheet that you send to all people um, that you are recruiting or that you're interviewing to tell them all about your different benefits, include the eyeglasses, uh, include the parental leave, uh, and make it really accessible for internal employees as well. Don't make them come to you know their managers or HR to ask. Um, write down everything uh, and, and make it available for them really easily. So when we talk about parents and careers, I feel like a lot of times the issue is around priorities. So you might have somebody who's, who's young, 24, 25, and you could expect that person to have career mindedness there. They have a path that they're wanting to walk down. But if somebody shows up who's, who's in their mid thirties and they offer the fact that they have kids, then suddenly maybe their job is more about a means to an end, but they're trying to pay bills and, and get it through. Is that a fair assumption to make, or how can we overcome that kind of bias? 
Yeah. So I don't think it's a fair assumption to make. So um, for many parents, their career becomes even more important after becoming parents. So, you know, they have the drive to succeed for the sake of their family, but also for many adults with with kids, um, work is their connection to the adult world and it becomes a kind of sanctuary. So, you know, I myself, I'm really passionate about my career and not just for work's sake. So, you know, I think my work helps me make my mark on the world. It leads me to a lot of personal growth uh, and it can be a wonderful example for a child as well. So, you know, I've heard from so many working parents that they uh, become master prioritizers, like I mentioned, after becoming parents. Um, So having to get such a huge amount done in one day at work and at home, it forces you to focus only on those big impact projects as well. Um, I also think that some gender bias can sneak its way into that type of question as well. Um, So, you know, I, I think there's a difference in, in the past, and I think that's changing now, thankfully, about um, people, the way that people view um, the professional ambition of, um, you know, a man with kids and, you know, a woman with kids. Um, you know, there would be an assumption in the past that a man with, with kids, um, you know, often in, you know, the 50s and 60s, the Mad Men days, um, you know, they would get paid a higher salary because, you know, they, it was assumed that they were the main breadwinner. But, you know, most families in North America now are, are dual income and, you know, we're not living in the 50s anymore. So, um, you know, judge people um, as individuals, judge them by their output, make sure you can understand and evaluate that output and you have a way to do that. Um, So you don't have to rely on bias. You know what needs to get done and you have a strict measure of how well everyone's doing against that. doesn't matter if they're parents. Now, earlier you said that it's rare to find parent haters out there, Um, but have you ever encountered any kind of resentment from non-parents in the workforce about the need to accommodate for these types of things? Yeah, I... I'm not necessarily the the best person to ask about this because I am a very soon to be future parent um, and, and not a, a parent now. I'm uh, due at the end of the fall. Very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I believe in companies supporting and accommodating employees through anything they go through in their life. So parenting just happens to, happens to be a pretty common one and a pretty tough one to go through. Um, so a company who chooses to be flexible for a new parent They also might be flexible for someone caring for, you know, a sick relative or something like that. So, you know, I worked um, I worked somewhere a a few years ago that that had a really great approach to this. Um, And they had both, you know, uh, a bonus and programs for new parents to spend on baby expenses. And, you know, they had a partnership with a local daycare that guaranteed them uh, a spot, which can be a big, hard deal. But they also had things like they had a compassion fund for employee emergencies. So other employees could nominate a peer that was going through a hard financial time, like a really expensive vet bill um, was one example I saw um, to receive help from the fund. So it actually didn't cost much in the long term of things. But, you know, it it really gave you that heartwarming feeling like you were part of a community. Um, it was great to talk about externally in terms of describing the culture and recruiting. And it was just really great to build a sense of, like I said, community. Um, and, you know, in turn, that leads to, to great retention. So, you know, parents or non-parents, just take care of your employees. Um, you know, no one, again, is saying that parents will or should do less work. As we look at generational divides that are coming through, we talk about millennials now being extended up into people in their mid-30s, even potentially in their late 30s. Millennials have always been kind of like, you know, for the last several years, the, the edge of the workforce. So how does that compare with new people coming in, or fresh in their early 20s, just coming out of college, even out of high school? 
Is there much of a generational divide you're seeing between these groups? You know, I would I would say so Gen Z, you know, the the next generation, they're in um, university now starting to enter the the workforce on the tails of millennials. And they're actually known as the most um, idealistic generation out there. They're getting involved in in politics and protests. They're very socially aware. Statistically, they're more socially aware than any other generation before them. And that's really important to them. Um, so millennials are now in an age range where, you know, they're moving into management if they're not there already. Um, so building compassionate workplaces and flexible workplaces is, um, you know, something that's even going to become more important as, you know, we manage um, Gen Z employees as millennials. Excellent. Nor it's, it's been really interesting to think about how a company can adapt to a new uh, parental policy. A lot of times people think about that, though, and they think it's just money. It's just money I have to pay for childcare for my employees. I have to do other things to, to make sure that they're accommodated. So what are some easy, simple ways that are very effective yet don't cost a lot of money for companies to do to accommodate for parents? Yeah, I love that question because most of the things that we suggest in the parenting playbook actually cost nothing but consideration. So um, they're low cost, they're very, very low cost, or they're very, very low cost, and uh, they're just about thoughtfulness. So they can include, you know, making sure you have a pumping room set up um, for chest feeding parents. Um, you know, you could have a template for managers and employees to collaborate on together for how they want their parental leaves planned and how they want their returns to work to be handled. So again, it's just about asking people and empowering them to, to plan that. Um, you can do things like have them return part-time for part-time pay um, or allow them to work from home as they they ease back in. And there's even alternative solutions like that out there. So um, one of the book's co-authors, Amanda Monday, she has recently launched uh, a space called The Workaround, which is a um, co-working space that with, with childcare uh, built in as a service. So um, some companies are opting to partner with uh, businesses like that, um, you know, to give somebody a professional working environment to to return part time um, and kind of get out of the the house and into that environment while kind of easing back in. Um, so again, on the consideration front, so things like providing you know advance notice for travel um, and for anything that happens after hours, like celebratory events or parties or Friday night drinks. Um, so you can consider having things like core hours, like say 10 a.m. through 4 p.m. Um, and don't book big decision-making meetings outside of that. So if big decisions at your company are, are happening at you know 8 p.m. drinks or late meetings, then it's, that's going to be really hard for, for parents or anyone else that has caregiving responsibilities of any kind. Um, so just being conscious and considerate when you're planning planning meetings. Um, small kindnesses uh, are low cost, like sending a, a meal delivery or house cleaning service to brand new parents that just had a baby. So that can go a really long way. It's something they'll never forget. Um, and if you can invest money at all, um, consider putting it towards, you know, a, a, an extended parental leave or helping with the cost of childcare. So again, I know it can seem warm and fuzzy or pie in the sky, but you know, it is actually strategic. So, you know, how much has your company spent on recruiting events and booths or, you know, parties that you think builds culture and retention. So those are the two areas where, you know, investments in parents will have a huge ROI. Um, so, you know, maybe you do have budget for these important projects. Well, obviously, you've done a lot of research and a lot of thought into this. Why don't you tell people where they can access the Parenting Playbook and where they can stay in touch with you, too? Absolutely. Um, so the Parenting Playbook, you can download a copy at 
at parentingplaybook.com. Oops, that's parentingplaybook.ca. And you can learn more about Bright and Early and uh, the work that we do with companies at brightandearly.ca. CA for Canada. Thank you so much, Nora. It's been great to talk with you and we've really been encouraged by what you've said. Thanks for having me. 